This is the Dos Acero Podcast, a weekly show devoted to football in Mexico, the U.S., and beyond. If you are a pocho, puma, regio, chiva, cholo, presa, tigre, tapatio, chilango, or even a Methodist, pull up a chair, crack open a cold one, and enjoy the next 90 minutes of heated football debate. Thus begins... The Dosa Cero Podcast. Good evening, and thank you for joining us again at the Dosa Cero Podcast. Uh, Yamanito Productions brought to you by SoccerChronicle.com. My name is John Jagu. Glad to have you with us again this evening. We have a wide variety of topics to discuss tonight. We need to discuss at length, as we did last week, the resurgence of one of the most popular teams in Mexico. Is it finally time for them? I think you know who we're talking about. Also, tonight, we're going to discuss FIFA's Rule 19 and how does it apply, does it apply, will it apply, should it apply, will it apply to the Mexican-American players that are playing down in the youth systems of the Liga MX teams, and what, if anything, is going to happen to that whole situation. We also need to congratulate Pumas for their qualification in first place of their group in Copa Libertadores. They won 3-2 tonight in Ecuador. It looked like there were more Pumas fans and MLEC fans in the stadium. Very important win for Pumas. They were able to secure first place in their group, and because they have 15 points, it's looking very likely that they will also be uh, one of the top four seeds for the next round, which guarantees them at least two home game, two series where they would have the home leg in the second leg at home if they advance for the first one. So congratulations to them. We're also going to be talking about Club America and their continued success as they make mincemeat of the Liga MX sides. They beat Tijuana 6-1, the worst defeat in Tijuana's albeit short, but their worst defeat in their history. And, of course, we'll have other topics. We are live on YouTube right now. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, please feel free to drop off any uh, questions, comments. We'll try to get to them. And, of course, you can listen to this recording on iTunes uh, as soon as it gets posted, usually by Thursday or Friday of the week. But this is a Los Acero podcast, a Yamanito Productions brought to you by SoccerCornicle.com. Let me introduce our panel. Out in Escondido, California, we have with us Daniel <clears throat> Preciado. How are you, sir? Doing good, John. Evening, everyone. Glad to be here. <clears throat> Daniel, you and I uh, have been having plumbing problems, and, and we, when we say plumbing problems, I mean nothing you know, with our own systems, but our houses. You had some plumbing <laughs> issues last week. I've got them this week. Uh, it is not fun watching a lake develop in your yard, as you and I have both had. 
Yeah, um, at least yours um, didn't require a hazmat team to clean it up. But um, my pool under my kitchen um, was a little more involved and probably more expensive. But, yes, I, I feel your pain, brother. No, yeah, it was, and then it, it turned out we're not done. It looks like our irrigation system is also leaking, so I've got to deal with that tomorrow. So, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely not fun. Over in Hayes County, here in the uh, greater Austin metropolitan area, we have with us a gentleman who is now a world traveler, has gone to many countries and seen many games, gave us a very interesting report about the Azteca, which I'd like to talk to a little bit later as far as uh, the cornerstone for Mexico's possible bid in 2026. We have with us the man who pushes all the buttons, Albert El Chiquiscampa. How are you, sir? Hey, what's up, everybody? Doing good? Did you uh, get to watch Pumas's resounding victory over what, what appeared to be a very weak Ecuadorian side today? Yeah, I watched. I watched the beginning bits and pieces of it. Saw a couple of goals, and then MLX sort of tried to come back. But, uh, yeah, I was impressed by the fans that were out there. The, the Rebel, I don't know if they were, you know, if they traveled or if they actually, some of them lived there, but yeah, that's pretty cool to see. Yeah, there were uh, quite a few Pumas fans in the stands. It looked like they were outnumbering the MLX fans. And of course, MLX had already been eliminated, so they really didn't have anything to play for. This was a. As they say, partido de trámite, but those are the usually the ones that bite Mexican teams in the butt, especially in this tournament, but Puma was able to get the big win. Out in California, we have our next two gentlemen, two gentlemen who uh, I'm sure have been smiling ear to ear all this week because of what has been happening with their with their favorite uh their favorite team. Which team do you ask? What would be this team? Somos leyenda del fútbol mexicano. Can only be one team. There's a la leyenda del fútbol mexicano. And what team would that be? Of course, we're talking about Guadalajara. Joel Aceves, how are you, sir? Greetings, John. Feeling good. Yeah. It's been a good week. Is Chivas winning enough, Joel, for you to actually start paying attention and watching the games? No, not really. Not yet. <laughs> it's it's not the team; it's who manages it. Ah, I so you're still you're still boycotting. Salty. I'm gonna be very salty. Yeah. You know, you remind me, Joel, a lot of of uh, a lot of Dallas Cowboy fans here in Texas that just <laughs> refuse to support the team because of the owner. Ah. And the way that he treated the venerable. Tom Landry Mayer's rest when he rest in peace when he when he bought the team. So I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. I don't think, however, that that applies to our next California resident who has also been enjoying a good week. <laughs> Getting ready for El Clásico Tapati. Of course, we're talking about Juan Uribe. How are you, sir? Good, good, John. How are you doing? I'm doing very, very well, despite the, you know, the house issues. But it's, it's great. We have had a spectacular spring so far here, at least in Austin. It hasn't. Usually, this is the time of year where the 90 degree temperature starts creeping in, and we have it for the next seven months. But, but so far, it's been, it's been very pleasant. It's been wonderful. So, trying to get out as much as I can. A gentleman who does not have that kind of luck. I've noticed this has been. 
it's been snowing and cold and miserable up there in Filitepec. Of course, we're talking about Ronnie de Luna, whose team America. is doing very well as well. So I'm sure he has been smiling ear to ear, but it hasn't been because of the... Hello, BBC. So, Ronnie, how are you, sir? I'm doing uh, very well. Thank you, John. Thank you for asking. Glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. So you've been bashing Darwin Quintero for the better part of the, well, I guess the entirety of the history of this podcast, and uh, he must have been listening because looks like things are turning around for the gold scientist. Uh, not well, quite yet. Not quite yet. I mean, did you see? Did you see him getting sent off? Uh, well, what was it? Just what a week. Ronnie, Ronnie reminds me of uh, of Ramsey's uh, in the Ten Commandments, man. Like. Like it's just everything not good kept enough. everything everything kept happening and he's just like and still <laughs> his heart his heart remains cold. No, well, I mean, no, it was the, the game. Uh, he gets sent off for a stupid foul and he get uh, was it in the in the in the semis against? Uh, yeah, but he was trying to help us out, dude. But uh, come on, dude, there was no there was no need to do that. I mean, it's still. He still likes he still well, likes this. He made up for it by embarrassing Cholos at the Azteca. So you know he made he made up he made amends for his evil doings. Don't you don't you think? Look, six games, you know, five six games doesn't really not really going to erase the entire you know time that he's been with the club I mean, because he has. I mean, if like let's say his career ended you know after this year, after this season. His time in America hasn't really been all that productive because when you compare him what he was doing in Santos and what he's doing now, it's what if he, what if he wins the league? Well, I mean, America's America's made three finals, you know, made three finals without him. No, but what if he scores multiple goals? Yeah, what if what if he scores like a hat trick in the second leg of the final? Well, to huh? push everybody over the top. Is that well, you know, he could have scored four. I mean, come on! Did you see the way? I I think everybody would. I think most would agree that Mickey Arroyo has has been very inconsistent. Yet he 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 scored the winning goal uh, against Tigres, you know, uh, in the final. So does that mean that you would buy him a tequila shot, but it would be like salsa instead of something good? You like here have tequila Rio Grande in the plastic bottle. Mm, nah, wouldn't buy it. Wouldn't waste my money. You wouldn't even would even buy him a tequila shot. Wow. No, I'll buy him a plane ticket so he can get the hell out. Plane ticket back <laughs> to Columbia. To <laughs> you know, I I just I don't know. It's just they're they're very, you know, they 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 get caught up in in fights and yellow cards. They're kind of like you know they're ball hogs. You know you know how they're, they're that saying that that sometimes you know a forward is supposed to be a little selfish with the ball. It's true, but at times you're supposed to look for the best possible shot or the best possible chance to you know to score. And I think sometimes they just they don't make the right pass or, or they make the wrong decision in, in the transitional you know play. Uh, like I said, I mean, I, I gave them the, I gave them an opportunity at first. They just didn't pan out. You know, you, you remind me. Did you guys see the movie Shallow Hal? Yeah, not a very good. <laughs> It's actually but, been but, on. But, <laughs> well, it's a uh, great movie, John. Yeah, George Costanza. I forget what the Jason Alexander plays that character who doesn't like girls that have the 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 middle big toe bigger bigger than the big toe. You, you know what like, I'm talking about? He doesn't like cordy guapas. 
Yeah, yeah well, no, but he doesn't like a, a toe longer than the big toe. And there was this girl at the end of the movie saying, yeah, and I think the surviving Beatles are going to be there. It's just just incredible party. And all they can focus is all they can focus on is that 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 big second toe, bigger than the big toe. And he's like, you know, I think I'm gonna pass. That's what you remind me of, Ronnie. I think that you're that you're obsessed with nitpicking the same guys, while at the moment the your 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 America team is just crushing it. They're in a final. Chances are pretty high they're gonna. But be it's in another not because final. of because it's not because of them though. So then, why are you complaining about them? Because I, I want the team to be better, and I just—I mean, I mean, getting sent off when there's no need to. I mean, it, it's been a problem, and you know, those two guys are part of the problem when it comes to getting yellow cards. Why does Sambu both... get a pass? What's that? Why does Sambu get a pass? Uh, because because, uh, because they've won. They won a lot. Of, they won a lot with the team. No, it's true. That stripes, right? Did you take that picture of Moises Munoz? Yes, I did. I was making the rounds last week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. That's what I thought. So was it you that 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 uh, counseled him to lay off the Doritos? Is that was that part of your plan? No. Too many carbs. No, I like Doritos. I well, like the, he did apparently. Good lord. I like the the, the spicy. What you wanted spicy to chili? Torta jokes. Yeah. More torta jokes. When I was a kid, the really uh, delicious corn chip in Mexico were these ones called pizzerolas that were like Doritos. You yeah, remember that? Circle shaped instead of wedge shaped. They had the uh, rancheritos. What is it? The rancheria? No, what was it? The yeah, they're rancheritos. Doritos, Doritos rancheros. Those? I'm, I'm still more of a crujito guy. See, yeah, I'd always peg you as a, as a churrumais guy. I was no. like a churrumais guy. No, I liked uh, mazapan and... Uh, what about Duvalin? <laughs> you probably eat tamarindo too, don't you? Tamarindo, yes. Yeah. Ch- chocomilk, no. No, no chocomilk for you. No. No chocomilk for you. Okay, well, we've introduced the panel. Hey, hey, what about chocoroles for you guys? I love chocoroles, and you can still get them in Texas, and I like to freeze them, and I eat them frozen, and they're incredible. And you try to explain it to your, I'll just call them the native people around here, and say, yeah, it's a chocolate cake with cream and pineapple jelly. And they look at you like you're speaking in Russian. Like, why on earth would I ever eat that? They're delicious. Anyway, so let's jump into it. As we mentioned earlier in the show, uh, for you folks that are listening to us live, feel free to uh, send us your comments. We are... Going to discuss the resurgence of could it be the most traditional team in Mexico? Somos leyenda del fútbol mexicano. For the past three we uh, three match days, Chivas has scored ten goals, only allowed one. They have one of the strongest defenses in the league. It looks like they're getting hot at the right time. They've entered now the Liguilla picture. I think they're going to make the Liguilla. They have a big game this week. Now, I have to ask our Chivas fans. At least I'll ask the one who actually watched the game. <laughs> one, is, 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 has Chivas turned the corner, or is this just a, a, a two- or three-game bubble, and then they're going to go back to being Chivas again? No, I, I, 
You know what, John, to be honest, I mean, I've watched them the whole season, uh, and they pretty much played the same way. Yeah, they they retooled a few players as far as uh, playing them in different positions, but the, the only thing that has been lacking was uh, was first was the uh, the finishing because, you know, they had the plenty of possession and they were creating lots of chances. I'm sure Jolie's going to disagree. Uh, but a perfect example is... Uh, you know the Clásico Nacional against America. They they created they they look like the better team on the field, which is probably one of the reasons Ronnie's uh you know he's still not happy with the way his team's playing, and uh, and I think that's the the big difference. And of course, some players they're coming back from injury. Uh, I think it's uh, Pereira was one of the ones, so that definitely helped on the defensive end because they were playing. Uh, uh, what's this guy's name? Edgardo Marin, I think is his name. Uh, Jolie, you might remember his name. Uh, and he was I making even, a lot of... I don't even see the games, dude. Oh, well, yeah, they, they, yeah. they had a... Oil is in a self-imposed boycott. Yeah, that's right. So they had this guy, and then also they, they sent uh, uh, Tonio Rodriguez to the bench in favor of, of Cota, who's made uh, less mistakes. Maybe he's, he doesn't have a... You know, he's older, he doesn't have the upside that that, that Rodriguez has, but so far, it, you know, this guy's paid off. Uh, not making any... Well, it looks like the strength of the team, at least in the games that I've seen, has been, you know, the, the the midfield has gotten better, but the wingers have really improved, and that has kind of taken the pressure off of a lot of people, uh, you know, namely with Isuela, and then, of course, uh, the guy whose name was escaping on the other side. But but it seems like they're, they're the ones that are really starting to um, help out. And then they got the young uh, striker who got the goal last week, whose uh, whose name is eluding me at the moment right now as well. Maybe Saldivar. Yes, yeah, Saldivar. And the winger is uh, Cisneros, the guy you're talking about. Cisneros, thank you. Yeah, so he, he and Conejito have done really well over the past few games. I mean, they've really – I know that they gave Puma – they both gave Pumas fits. Uh, and I think that you know, maybe, maybe that's what uh, Almeida wants, you know, as, as, as Vergara put it before he – Went off the deep end and and, and 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 went ahead and placed Chivas in the final after beating Pumas last week four to one. Said that they've been pleased. Says you know they've been playing like this all season. And just now we're finally put it into the net, which frankly I don't necessarily believe, but it does look like there are a, a certain group of players that are that are getting hot, that are that are helping them quite a bit. And like I said, you know a team like Chivas. You know they're in eighth place right now. They win a couple more games, and that that's going to put them in a much better position for the Liga. And you know who knows? Maybe uh, the, 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 this is the uh, team that certainly can 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 do some damage. Now the question is, Juan, Coel, and for you neutrals and haters, is this sustainable? Jolie, you go first. <laughs> no. All right. I'll- I think it remains to be seen. Uh, what's interesting is that Chivas is going to go up against, after the Atlas game, they're going up against the three teams that they lost to last season, which kind of put them on that funk. Um, so so I guess that's going to be the test. And, and some of those teams have been doing pretty good. Uh, Dorados. And... Um, and well, um, Dorados, some, I mean, they're, they're down to their last fingernail. I mean, they're... Yeah, didn't they win their last game though? Yeah, but they're, you know, at that point they're probably going to be playing for pride. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're closing out on a week's schedule. I think they're playing Dorados, they're playing Pachuca, 
Atlas isn't what they used to be. Yeah, but but if you see the games, they have been beating Chivas like every time they face. Soundly is what you're saying. I think, they, I think yeah, they've been. And, uh, might might take them. She was playing Santos too, who they lost. They lost. Uh, you know, they've been losing to Santos too, and then and Pachuca, who is, is another one of the teams that's been on. Uh, so Joel, see out of these good. next four or five games that Chivas has, if they if they if they come out with ten points. I'm just throwing that number. If they come out with 10 points out of those games, is that going to be enough for you? Well, I, I to, think that the Chapla game, the, the Tapatio, the Clásico, that, that's going to be key for Chivas if they could win that one. They could they could use that to sneak in there. I think they'll get seven points. Six or seven. So I, want, I, want to, I want to get a hater's perspective. Ronnie, Chivas. <laughs> Bubble bursting, or is this going to be sustainable? And I, and, I, and I ask you honest. I'm sure you'll give me your honest assessment. Uh, I think they're just the flavor of the month right now. They're going to go back to their old, to their ways of, uh, you know, of just really crapping, you know, crapping it out. I mean, three games, three games, four games, it doesn't change what God has been doing for the last couple of years. Well, you know, they always say that, you know, once is lucky, you know, twice, okay, but three times is a trend. I mean, I know that you, uh, maybe your your perspective is a little skewed, I'll just say, but, but Chivas's defense has been one of the best, if not the best defense in the league. So if they get their offense going, they, they might be somebody to look out for. You know, maybe, maybe uh, a team that plays in Mexico City that... Might overlook them. Not, you know I what? Who, I don't know who it could be. Not my first rodeo. Uh, you know, I it, it's it's like Chivas right now is going to be the flavor of the month, and then reality is going to sit back. You know. So you're saying, go ahead, boys. Do you feel that pinch? The dream is over. This well, I mean, is cool, just well, keep in mind. Keep, keep keep in mind they made the play. Well, they they made the playoffs. You know, last season. Last season and, and, and like oh my god like everything like you know Copa they embarrassed Atlas. Okay, after Copa Mekis, right? You know, back to reality. After the playoffs, back to reality. You know, it's I don't I don't see them really being consistent for the long haul. Keep, keep right? in mind they they signed uh, Orbelin Pineda and and Gullit, uh before the beginning of this season. They lost Fabian, so. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I think they got an upgrade when they got Pineda over Fabian, to be honest with you. I love Fabian, don't get me wrong. I think that he, in, in my opinion, had the tools to be the next Guatemoc. I really did believe that. Well, he had but, the borracho part down. Well, yeah. I mean, he had the whole party bit and everything. But he just uh, he couldn't he couldn't keep it together on the field. I think Personally, I think Pineda is a great player. I think that he has a very bright future. That was a, a very good move on their part. Now, I'd like to hear uh, a, 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 just a pure neutral perspective, not a hater's perspective. So, uh, Daniel, you've seen Chivas over these past few weeks. Do you, again, I ask you, is this a mirage, or is, is Chivas really turned the corner to the point where maybe their fans can, can stop taking the paper bags off their, off their heads? I think they got a legitimate chance of getting in the Ligia. And once they're there, then anything can happen. Uh, I think they're playing really pretty soccer lately, so I, I think they're absolutely capable of beating anybody. Uh, 
how sustainable it is. I mean, whether it's going to – are they going to not – are they going to avoid relegation next season without without uh, breaking a sweat? I, I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't go that far, but I think they definitely have a chance this uh, for this uh, this season. Now, who do you think makes a more impressive fashion statement? Skinny jeans or Almeida's mullet? <laughs> I'm gonna say Almeida's mullet because uh, the pants are just um, they're just too tight. They are. They're. When you watch a Santos like game, them. it's almost they almost have to rate it TVMA because of how tight the guy's jeans are. I mean, it really is. It's. Does uh, it draw your eye to his package? It. <laughs> I'm not going to say if it does or it doesn't. I wonder if those are his car keys. What's going? On? We can appreciate his form. Is, is that a roll of certs? <laughs> you still want to show me your cucumber? I mean, it, it really is. It's, it's not even necessary at that point. Yeah. I suppose not. Well, I'll give you all uh, my take. Not that it matters one way or the other, but I do think that this is a, a Chivas team that might be might be starting to turn the corner. As Juan mentioned, they've got some injured players back. The, the I think they actually made some decent signings with uh, Orbelin, and I think Kulit is starting to play a little bit better, starting to feel more in his comfort zone. I think they needed to kind of, you know, I think the benching helped him a lot, kind of, let him catch up to what was happening, and time will tell. But I do think, like to me, the the big thing for Chivas is if they make the playoffs this time, they have to be able to carry it over in the Apertura coming up this summer. Because if they don't, then they're going to be right back where they were in another descenso fight, and that's the last thing that uh, Chivas and their fans need. Because this is what like the what the is this what the sixth or seventh year that Chivas has had to deal with a descenso, or is it the tenth? Or is it the 15th? I forget. They've been in there a while. Ronnie, do you remember how many years Chivas has had to deal with this in the Central? I mean, since 2013. This has been their fourth year. Their fourth year of the Central. Since, since 2013, 2014. I thought it was like 2009. Maybe 2008. I ate this for a while, but then I... Maybe, uh, like 1994. And, and then I resurfaced, you know, by trolling, you know, the boards, you know. <laughs> In fact, uh, hold on. In fact, let me. When it when did River Plate get relegated? Uh, Two thousand. When did who get relegated? Uh, River Plate in Argentina. Uh, Two thousand thirteen. Oh, when Argentina wanted to change the rules so they wouldn't be relegated. <laughs> no, but I, I remember. I remember making you know asking people because you know I I hate I hate when Mexican fans copy Argentine chants. You know, the, you know, stuff like that. You know, I, I just think that's very unoriginal when you're just, you know, copying other people's chants. But, but I did like the chant that the that the Boca fans were using on River, like you know, decime que se siente estar jugando en la B. You know that that chant. And like that, I would make an exception to that if you know Chivas was relegated. Isn't that uh, Almeida's big claim to fame? Is that he brought River back? Uh, and uh, Benfica also, I think. Who? Uh, Benfica. From Portugal? Uh, no, not uh, Banfield. I'm sorry. Banfield. Oh yeah, because La Volpe ruined them too. <laughs> and then Almeida had to come and clean it up. So, did yeah, Banfield have a Podologa too? 
yeah, I mean they they've been I mean they've been struggling since basically the river you know River Plate you know when they were suffering that relegation you know uh, so I mean they've been they've been at it for a while. And how did that song go again, Ronnie? Decime que se siente haber jugado en la B. Te juro que aunque pasen los años. I forget. Yeah, it's like that. Te juro que aunque pasen los años. No, se me I don't remember it all, but I, it's really funny, dude. It's, I feel it's like really I'm funny. on American Idol. Wow. Uh, can, can you play the sound like for it? Of, of, of them singing? Yeah. Can you, can you I only it? have one. I have the song. That's the only sound but, I have. But, but the thing about it is, I mean, if Chivas, if Chivas does get relegated, which I hope they do, I just, I just want to troll. Um, I would, I would want that to be sung, you know. But rather than saying decime, I would just say, fuck, you know, just say dime, because I mean, we don't say decime in Mexico. Well, you would say dime, 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 dime que se siente. You know, that would be cool. Did you, right. you, know, did you guys ever re- see that uh, that clip of that uh, Argentine fan, River Plate fan, El Tano Pasman? I did not. Where he yeah. just loses it, where he loses it. I mean, he's just, la concha de tu madre, and, you know. He's just losing it, you know. When you know the river basically gets relegated. All I remember about River being relegated is that the I don't know if it was their front office or even Argentina's the AFA were trying desperately to change the rules so that they wouldn't drop. I do remember that, which, frankly, I thought what would happen if uh, if I'm at, if because America was in the not too long ago, they also were flirting with. Yeah, but not not to the point where they're last or like you know second to last. They were like in the fifteen, you know, fifteen, fourteen. They weren't. They weren't. I mean, they oh, weren't. So in they were five. only third to last. I mean, it's okay I, for no, third. To at last. this point, I'd like to point out, Chivas has never finished last. So in in a, if we had direct real relegation, we wouldn't be in trouble. <laughs> Okay. So, I think the consensus here is let's watch and wait. There's there's no reason except for maybe they're hardcore Chivas fans to believe that that they're out of their, I don't know, five-year funk and maybe they can possibly contend for winning the, is it their 13th title? Is that what they're working on? 13? They're right, 13th It's, it's every 10 years, so I forget already, John. Yeah. So right. they're due this year. They're due. They, they are due. Be. They are due this year. You're absolutely right. And, you know, Ronnie was talking about uh, the Argies, uh, the Mexicans, the Mexican fans uh, copying the Ar- Argentine fans, but, uh, you know, when Chivas, uh, when they beat Boca, Boca Juniors 4-0, it was actually uh, River Plate took a page out of the Mexican fans, and they, they were playing, uh, uh, was that uh, Celito Lindo in their stadium is what I heard uh, at the next game. That is fantastic, but I will be honest, when Argentina being Mexico in the World Cup and Univision was in some restaurant in Miami, that, that's what the Argentina fans were singing, and it, I'm not going to lie, it ticked me off. I was mad. <laughs> Did you punch anybody, John? Start any brawls? No, but my wife made me go see Nacho Libre that night, 
And oh. the, the whole night, I, I was my arms were crossed. You know, I just I refused to laugh. I was just I he was, was pouting. Just, yeah, I was I was in the major pout mode. There's no question. My lip was hanging. I only had like four beers. Downstairs. I got it, man. Who, who's playing that? What's that? I got the I got that clip. All right. Is that, are you playing it? I'm not yeah, playing it. Basically, they're saying that River, decime que se siente haber jugado el Nacional, which is basically the second division. Te juro que aunque pasen los años, nunca lo vamos a olvidar. Te fuiste a la B, quemaste el, mo el Monumental. Esa, mu esa mancha no se borra nunca más. Che Gallina sos cagón, le pegaste a un jugador, que cobardes los borrachos del tablón. It's like we're at a poetry reading. Thank you, thank you, Ronnie, for that. That's that's the, that's one of their main support group, uh, borrachos del tablón. Yes. And uh, those are the ones that uh, Atlas, the Barra Fifty One. They went, they went over there to to get some training on. I'm being hooligans. Here's some better audio oh. for you. Okay. <laughs> I've been just waiting. I've been waiting to sing that one. You're gonna keep waiting, Romy. <laughs> you'll have to. You'll have to sing it for Dorados fans. Let me dream, Jesus. Don't run my dreams. You, it, came, it came very close. Yeah, I mean, Dorados would have. If they would have had their current coach, I think it would have been it would have been something else. Because that's you know, that's one, was, huh? You know who was on that uh, river team that got uh, relegated? Almeida. El Pavone, El Pavone. Oh, Almeida was in that team too. He was. Yeah. It was his last. It was his last year as a coach. I mean, as a player. Yes. Yeah. So my question is, why year, did Vergara bring him, thinking that he was like some sort of? Vergara didn't bring him when when uh, when he inter when when he got interviewed. He was calling him Martin. <laughs> he didn't even that, know his name. That wasn't the first ch first choice uh, coach that they wanted to bring in. Uh, if I remember correctly, it was. Uh, uh, actually, I don't remember anymore. But Tolo Gallego was was one of the choices. I think Bielsa was another. There was like he, he so he was like the fifth choice guy, but. Uh, you know, to be honest, I think it's they've done well sticking with them. Well, we'll see what happens uh, after the summer. <laughs> you know, it's too bad that Fernando hasn't. Uh, well, I guess we Fernando. haven't uh, conjured up the spell Center. yet. But uh, that was uh, kind of leading to our next topic, a topic that I didn't mention at the top of the show, but we do want to discuss. Uh, hold on, before uh, before we go, uh, another funny thing that the, the Boca you know, fans did to, to River fans was uh, last year at the uh, at the Libertadores was uh, that drone. They flew in that drone with the uh, the ghost of the bee, you know, the, of the... You remember that? Yeah, that was awesome. That, that was that... It was hovering right above the players. Those savages were, were soldering out a pole in the fence to throw a smoke bomb. Were, were they the same ones that sprayed the book up players with 
No, the river flares. With, uh, the river. Pepper spray? River <laughs> yeah. flares with pepper spray? Yeah, it was yeah. Pe- I don't know if it was pepper spray or like a smoke bomb that just flushed no, them it was, out. No, it was it was it was it was a pepper it was like a like a pepper spray, you know. But uh, what was hilarious was the drone that they you know the drone and it got pretty low too. It was like right above their heads, <laughs> following them around, following them around with that B, you know, for the for the for the second division, reminding them that they were in the second division. I mean, that's what that's what I I mean that's the sort of tone that I want with Chivas, you know. I I think I've, I've 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 been a good guy. I, I followed the rules. I I need that, you know. Not yeah, right. right. To, not too much to ask. So, what would you do? Use that uh, that really ugly Liga Senso logo, and you like burn it in the grass at the Omni Life. Oh, I don't know yet. I don't know. But hey, Ronnie. Yeah. You, you think if Chivas uh, plays America again, that the refs are gonna help help again? Uh, we don't need help like that anymore. That's the, that's the only way that uh, America has a chance, dude. <laughs> well, I'm not even I thought they won it there. <sighs> well, this again, always with the refs. By the way, can 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 we finally put to bed the notion that Mexican refs are terrible and the rest of the world, especially Europe, are fantastic after the refereeing we've seen in the Champions League over the not just yesterday and today, but last week as well. Referees make mistakes, and they make them all over the world. It just It's just part of the game. It is what it is. Okay. We need to clone that guy in England. Uh, what's his name? Uh, I can't remember his name. Howard he would always, Webb? Yeah, exactly. Howard Webb. Bring him over here. Manchester, Manchester United fan? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, now, like I said, mentioned, uh, it was a perfect segue for a topic that, that Fernando had had brought up earlier in the week in our weekly, I'll just call it our week-long production meeting because uh, we do touch on some very interesting subjects about the fact that maybe Liga and Mekis uh, foreigners are held to a different standard than the local players or local coaches, that maybe there's more pressure on them to produce, and if they don't produce, then... Maybe their heads uh, get uh, rolled on a more frequent basis or a quicker time period than the local guys. I personally don't believe that. I think that because of the fact that Mexico has been an importer's league as long as I've been watching it since the 70s, that they're not going to care one way or the other, whether it's a foreigner or a Mexican or whatever. That's just my own personal opinion. Others might think differently because I've seen foreigners, Mexicans, whatever, not that decide, whatever it is, get treated pretty much the same way because of one reason and one reason only. If they don't win, it's time for them to go. And although I have to admit, it's been very surprised that have we even had a coach get fired in this uh, clausura? I don't think we have. Tesorado's coach. Oh, that's right. We did have one, so. Guadalupe Cruz got a punch in his punch card. So and uh, what, what's the name? DC, but although he didn't get fired, he went. Uh, he went to Chile. No, what's his name? The guy from Santos. What's his name? Uh, oh, he got fired too. That's right. So uh, we had Santos. Yeah, fired. Santos. The the Portuguese guy. Yeah. No, no, the Spaniard. Spaniard. Was, the, the, oh, Spa- right. the Spaniard. Who's now at Valencia, if I'm not mistaken. I know. Say. Yeah. I'm sorry. Valencia. Valencia. Sorry about that. Wasn't Tatel's coach also? I know they changed them before the season. Uh, 
Is it still the same guy there? Who's that? Hey, Beto. Uh, Beto the guy Atlas. Beto. No. Oh, maybe. Kelly Matosas was their coach, too, right? So they probably fired him. Yeah, okay, so I take it back. There's been plenty of firings. It's, it's business as usual. So no, the Atlas coach started the season. It's the same guy. Gustavo Matosas? Well, Matosas got fired at some point, but then they brought a new Well, whatever, whatever the case may be. So Maybe my it was point before, is, the, before the season, so I guess your your point still stands. Right. But my, my point is is that whether you're a foreigner or a Mexican coach, player, coach, whatever it is, the pressure is always going to be the same because you need to win and you need to win now, and those that don't have consequences. Do you all agree or disagree? But the expectations many, uh, for, a, for a foreign coach are higher. You know what? How many times have uh, Mexican coaches been recycled? Memo Vasquez, uh, Piojo, Profe Cruz, uh, the I list goes on. Memo only has two, Boy. two holes in his punch card. He's only been Cruz Azul at Pumas. Now, he's been at Pumas several times. I'm not going to lie. But, <laughs> but he's only been... But, you know, he's, he hasn't made the rounds like, like some of the other guys. I mean, Profe Cruz, he has... He could probably get a free sandwich at Subway with all the punch cards he has. <laughs> and uh, and uh, Luis Alfredo Tena is the same way. I mean, I mean, it would surprise me if this, if you look at his Wikipedia, he's probably played or coached on ten or maybe, probably up to fifteen teams, and some that were probably in the Ascenso, which you get a bonus for if you coach the team that's now the Ascenso. Chelis. You know all but those guys. They've they've been they've been around. Right, Travieso Guzman is another one who, and Benjamin Galindo. It's uh. So do you think the do you, so the expectations are higher? Is that what you say, Chiquis? For a foreign yeah, coach? when when they bring in Almeida or any other, mostly like a new new like, even the the America coach that won. What was the guy's name? Even those guys. They come in. You, the expectations are higher that they're gonna they're gonna do something. Almeida comes in and he wins Copa MX, but then he starts losing. Uh, I thought he was gonna be out of there, but I think the expectations overall, even for players, is that a foreigner is gonna bring in from Argentina. Uh, you know the great knowledge, the great from they're, they're great players from Argentina, from wherever country they're from, bring it to Mexico and elevate Mexico's lower level. Uh, of play, of style, whatever. And I think you said it in the chat, it, it sort of goes to the inferiority complex that there might be. Uh, and that, that might be some truth behind that, but I just think that it's more of look at these guys from Argentina who have such great football and they're bringing here to, to Mexico. So that's my view on it. You know, I think so, if you... If, I'm sorry, no, if, if, you no, bring in a, if you bring in a foreign coach, you want to bring in like new ideas. I know, uh, you know, we're very, especially on the podcast, some of the guys on here, we're very conservative. We don't like to see something new, you know, different type of commentary. But I think it, if you're going to go outside the league, you want to bring in fresh ideas. Like, you know, what's the point of bringing in a coach that has the same playing style as a Chepo, as a Bucetich, you know, or, you know, you want to bring a guy with fresh ideas. And I think that's why, to me, you know, like for example, I'm, Matias, I made a perfect, perfect example. Hans Westerhoff, uh, you know those type of guys. Even, even to a certain extent, uh, Sorry, that guy. Just trying to conjure up. <laughs> but, but you know what? Almeida wasn't brought in because of fresh ideas. He's, he's pretty new as a coach. 
No, but his his style was known. He's known he's a, as a BS. He's not disciple. really, in, you know, he's he's not really doing anything that's well, like now. Let me ask you, Jolie. Uh, I know the the biggest uh, international accomplishment for any club uh, team is uh, is uh, Raul Arias with Necaxa, where he beat Real Madrid in the what was it? What was it called before the, the Club World Cup? The, the, the Toyota old, Cup. Yeah. So now, would you rather? You know, bunker your way to that type of win, or would you rather, you know, have the possibility of a Matias Almeida? Uh, well, it know, depends just... the team. It depends the squad you have. Right, but this guy he took the same squad that that a uh, previous coach has, and I don't want to make the comparison other than the different playing style, the you know the way that the product on the field looks. Well, he I hasn't think. done anything yet, so I mean, unless he wins, I'm going to give him hey, credit, but if hey, Look, as far as the Mexican coaches, the Mexican coaches have outperformed the foreign coaches. Uh, I mean, going back, I mean, you're counting Tuca. No, no. Well, look, well, okay. Copa Libertad in Copa Copa Sudamericana, it was what do you call it? Uh, el, el, el ojitos mesa. Um, you know the you know when they went to Cruz Azul went to the final, it was Tena. Uh, when the when America went to the semifinals in in 2000, it was also it was Tana's brother. What's his name? Uh, Capitan Furia. Well, uh, wait, wait. Huh? I think uh, Juwan needs to answer this one. Who who took Chivas to the Libertadores final? We we already know, Jolie. I know, I, I know where I you're going with this. I like to hear you it, say it though. It was <laughs> Omar Bravo, dude. Okay, <laughs> but no, but, but even speaking with in, in, even in two in 2005 when Chivas. And I hate to say it, but they played some really damn good football uh, in the Under Liga. Frank Galindo. It was Galindo, exactly. exactly. It was and Galindo. Hugo took Pumas to the Sudamerican final 2005? Oh, yeah. Miguel España. Playing, playing some beautiful football. Oh, that's right. It was Miguel España, wasn't it? But it was, it was still Hugo Sanchez, you know, uh, you know, it, it was it his was seal. España. It was still his seal, but... <laughs> But you know what, 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 what I'm saying. This is, is like uh, we can attribute uh, Jose Luis Real taking the Chivas team to the final and say, "Hey, it was Efraín Flores' squad?" Because you know. <laughs> so when is uh, Real going to get rehired by Chivas? I, I don't think. I think he's going to Atlas. Oh, hey, yeah, yeah. Hey, speaking of speaking they of have Hugo Sanchez, huh? hey, speaking of Hugo Sanchez, have you noticed that most of the, a lot of that team? You know that Hugo had his players aren't going into coaching, but they're going into broadcasting. You had Kikin Fonseca, you have uh, uh, Mariano Trujillo, you have uh, El Gonzo uh, in Un Univision. What's his name? No Pineda, Pineda Gonzalo Pineda. Hey, what happened to his nephew? Who? Horacio. Horacio, I don't know. You think they're being blackballed out of coaching? Well, you know what. Come to think of it, the last I heard with Horacio, he had a falling out with his, with his, you know, with his uncle Udo, Ugo. He, had, uh, you know, muy triste, I've... no. Muy okay. triste, no. Yep. Muy triste, no. <laughs> I thought that was John. <laughs> okay, so the thing that I find interesting, and 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 it's, it seems like you guys feel that the opposite has happened, and that the, that the foreign coach gets more rope that the Mexican coach is the one that's under more pressure to perform. Now, I did a little, as Hector Huerta calls it, un ejercicio periodístico earlier today. <laughs> and out of the 18 coaches 
that are they're currently in the league right now. There are eight Mexican coaches and ten foreign coaches. Out of the eight Mexican coaches, all of them have won a title as a coach except two, and that'd be Tomas Boy and uh, uh, Ambris. And Nacho, right, Nacho Ambris. Thank you. And then no, out of the out no, of thank the, you for reminding me of that one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Nacho. Well, you know, he hasn't. <laughs> he'll get his chance. And then out of the ten foreign coaches, only four have won titles, and each one of those guys was a player in Mexico before they were a coach. Did they de- debut their coaching in Mexico as well? They did. They did. So. They all debuted as coaches. That was it was uh, Reynoso, Tuca, La Volpe, uh, and uh, the other cat who's. Uh, Name is eluding me at the moment. No, Turco. Turco didn't. Did he debut? Yeah. Did he debut in Mexico? Oh, he didn't debut as a coach in Mexico, but he did play here. Yes. John. Yes. Just to mention, I think Ashinia should be mentioned on that list, even though he's. But because he left, though, he decided not to stay. Sure. So I mean, kind of like. Well, so I'm gonna tell you guys right now, the guys that are currently coaching teams. Hey, you, you, you're not going to count the uh, promoting two teams fr- from the lower flight to to first I'm division to top flight? Talking about the 18 guys right now. I don't so my, the current my, coaches. Yeah, Matias Almeida. Could he, part of it be, though, John, that, th- that the, the current Mexican coaches that are there have been there for so long that like it's just like a matter of turning the wheel enough times that you're bound to... to to get one at some point, if you stick it, if you stick around long enough. Well, I think what it, what it goes back to is uh, something that we heard when Javier Aguirre was uh, was uh, in his second go round on the national team when they asked Carlos Vela, you know, why is it so important for for the Mexican national team to have a coach? He says, well, I don't know what it is. We have a, you know, maybe there's something mystical about the way Mexicans are that only a Mexican can decipher it, which is hilarious. But maybe, maybe there's some truth to that. But that obviously probably. has something to do with the fact that, that they probably understand the league a little bit more and understand the fact that in this league, in, you know, in a three-week period, you're playing in a rainforest, you're playing in a desert, and you're playing up high in the mountains. And, and in what other league is that going to happen? Yeah, how important is it that a coach coming in, like, say, Almeida, know who America is or know who Pachuca is and their youth players. You know, or... honestly, I don't know if anyone outside of Mexico knows who America is. Yeah, so, so when he comes yeah, in... Maybe like, Landon Donovan, since he was going to sign for them at one point. But that's about it. Almeida. Yeah, but I think that he thought he was going to sign for Atlético Español. When... <laughs> yeah, these guys might come in with new ideas, but they don't know who their opponents are. They don't know the style of play of each opponent. Whereas... Or the uh, style of, the, of the, the coaches. I mean, a lot of these guys, I mean, let's face it, you know, like like Tuca knows, you know who the La Puentistas are, who the La Volpistas are, and who are the the Dutch guys, and etc. Now, one thing that I found really interesting, and I didn't know this, and maybe Ronnie can shed some light, was in that list that he uh, shared with us earlier today. A lot of the coaches in fifties and sixties that there were the foreign coaches that won were our, were mostly Hungarian, and it just you know makes me sad to think that. Back then, Hungary was the the center of the football universe with their fantastic national team. Obviously, they had a lot of influence outside of the country with, I'm sure that Mexico wasn't the only country that had a lot of Hungarian coaches. And it just goes to show you that that, 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 that schools and philosophies and thoughts come and go. But uh, 
I mean, the 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 coach that won Pumas' first title was a Hungarian, which I which I did not know. I thought it was for a long time. I was thought it was Bora, but it turned out it was a Hungarian guy. So Ronnie, was there a reason why there were so many Hungarians in Mexico? Do you know? Yeah, yeah. You do know. Yes. Why well, are you going to share it with us, or are you going to keep it to yourself? No, uh, it's uh, because the because what happened was that you know back in the forties, well, actually back in the uh, with the uh, Bolsheviks when they were feeling the burn and decided to you know become communist. Once they started living in the <laughs> communist, uh, once they once they felt the burn. I thought they you were talking get... about the WWF for a second. I was like, the Bolsheviks. <laughs> no, no, but no, uh, meaning that uh, the, the, the real reason that they, a lot of uh, people from Yugoslavia and the Hungarians, that they left and they went to Mexico was because, uh, because they wanted to leave uh, oppressive regimes. And that is the real reason. Hey, that explains why Angel Reina hasn't gone back to America. Why is that? Uh, you mentioned uh, oppressive regimes. But, uh, <laughs> you know, John, a point I wanted to make was, uh, you guys recall uh, there's a coach uh, in Mexico uh, when uh, Team Cruyff was uh, at Chivas, and uh, this guy he went on a rant that uh, Mexicans, uh, you know, they buy into espejitos, that uh, Chivas got sold espejitos that we, you know, that we just buy uh, any BS. Was it the Laos? Laos? No, it was was it Van Skip? Yeah, Van Chip, Van Chips, Johan Van Chips. No, 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 the, the Mexican coach going on a rant. Oh, okay, I'll tell you who it was. He's <clears throat> the same guy that ended up uh, choking in 2014 uh, at the World Cup. Choking you? No, no, choking with the national team. Oh. He was at Do Club America. Choked? Yeah, I think he choked. I think he didn't. He didn't have any ideas. Lack of ideas. Well, no, so I think his Piojosin, Piojosin was protecting the lead with forty minutes with forty minutes to go in the game. He I took uh, he took the bait from Van Gaal. He, uh, that's what it was. No, he that that was Piojosin. That was his sin. It was you know there's a you know I understand. You know, the, you know the need to protect you know a, a score. Like for example, take take the Champions League game between Atleti and, and Barca today. Yeah. And you know that's a very widespread tactic uh, inside the Mexican league. Instead of pushing for more goals, when you have uh, the team on the uh, the op- opposition team on the ropes, you sit back on your lead, and you know sometimes that ends up backfiring. And that at the international level. You know, that's what well, ended up happening. You know, you I don't mind Piojo you, doing you, that. You because... see that you see that in Ligue. Sorry, John, you see that in Ligue. You don't really see that in, in, in the actual you know league itself. In fact, that's one of the you know one of the things, the compliments that uh, Juanma Lilo basically said over there to uh, the Argentine newspaper Clarín was where you know the, one of the things you know that the Mexican teams do is that you know they try to always score one more goal than your opponent. Um. Now you're right. I mean, there are, like for example, last year, you know, Tuca, you know, that that whole final was crazy because I mean they won three nothing and then they go back and since you know from minute one, Tuca is basically defending a three a three goal lead as opposed to, you know, playing a little bit more. I understand conservative, but at least still playing to win as opposed to playing not to lose. 
There, there's a difference, though, between like the Barcelona game today. When you're an inferior team, and even Mexico-Netherlands, when you're an inferior team, there's no choice sometimes because the often the teams that's down, but it's Holland or Barcelona, they're going to come out and attack. I don't think Mexico is an inferior team to Holland. Well, in 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 name, they maybe. had inferior personnel. That I, I don't care about the names. You know, well, they, far, tactical, they, tac- tactically speaking, the Mexican players up to part with with the Dutch players. Tactically speaking, and technically, you technically, like, reality, in that game. Mexico's midfield fell apart because they got way too tired, and and every time Mexico would dispossess the Dutch and try and get a counterattack going, they just couldn't because they couldn't string three passes together. That was the big problem. Now, Piojo's uh, hand was a little forced because he had to replace guys with injury with his changes, namely Moreno. But to me, the 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 the, the big sin of that game was the fact that both Herrera and Guardado were completely gad. They, 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 those boys couldn't run five yards, much less three. They were, they had, they had nothing. They were absolutely oh. tanked. They couldn't. Also, do Van Gaal has admitted that he he benefited from the water break. Of course, he did. To to readjust tactics, and he he's, he was open about that. So that, that's why he know, wanted. That's why he wanted him. Yeah. And what did Piojo do during? Uh, what adjustments did Piojo do when his guys were tired? He, he was filming commercials. Subbed out, Gio. Yeah. <laughs> he was filming commercials. Sometimes he can't. You can't help it. But in in Liga MX, the the level of play, or the level of teams are sort of even, so you can withstand uh, um, an offensive team attacking you, and then not just bunker. Now, if but if, 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 if I were Piojo. And I had to do it over again, knowing that Gallito was suspended. I never would have put Salcido as the as the as the midfielder. Although he played decently, I would have moved Rafa up and either put Salcido in the back or started with Reyes and Moreno and put Rafa in the middle. That's what I would have done. And start Cheech. Possibly. Oh, dude, this Copa MX game pretty good. Yeah, it's not bad. Uh, Veracruz, for you folks that aren't watching, just went up 2-1 on Necaxa. Rayos, los electricistas. Hey, is this a final? Yeah, it's a big final. The stadium's packed. There's no, no, no. We're saying, is, is it a one-off or is it? A, oh, it's a, a one-off. It is. It is. It is the biggest game today. For oh, those, biggest know. game in the world today. Well, you know what? Let me go turn it on. Let me go. This this game is just. Overpowers whatever inferior soccer we saw earlier this afternoon. There's no. Question. Oh, by the by the way, um, going back to the question that you asked me about, you know, you know, a lot of the coaches from uh, Yugoslavia, you know, the Eastern Bloc. Yeah, we're yeah, specifically talking about Hungary, but go ahead. Well, just you know, just the Eastern Bloc in general. Uh, Mexico actually, Mexico has actually benefited a lot from from political. Civil War revolutionaries from other countries, like you know, in the 30s when you know the whole Spanish Civil War was going on, a lot of a lot of uh, Spanish went into Mexico. Same thing with you know Argentina's Dirty War, you know, and obviously the uh, you know the communists over there. Um, uh, that's why Bora ended up in, in Mexico. Is that is that why Guignaca ended up at Tigres? He was fleeing uh, the. Uh, he was I fleeing think... the oppressive French regime. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was he was fleeing the paparazzi. I think. 
I think he just no. needed a, a The reason I was wondering about Hungary was because, you know, for you folks that don't know, back post-war up until about, I guess, the mid-50s, the Hungarian national team was the Brazil of the time. They were the dominant national team. And they they had won the Olympics handily several times. They were the odds-on favorite to win the 54 World Cup. They made the final. They, uh, I guess, put their name on the map when they they, they destroyed England in a friendly, like, 8-3. to three. Just crushed. Puskas. Puskas, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Puskas. There's even a move after named after Puskas. Well, is, it, is it the Puskas? Yeah, the Puskas move. No, no, but hey, uh, and he was of, like Gordito too, which which gives hope. Speaking of Puskas, speaking of speaking of Puskas, he actually played in Mexico, and there were actually it didn't the the deal didn't go through, but he almost stayed in Mexico. Uh, rather than going to, to 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 play in Spain, he was going to play for Unión de Curtidores. Actually, I don't uh, know if that's true. I'd have to check. I'd have to check again, but I know that you with know, Atlético Celaya. You no, know, nah, he probably would have gone to one of the Spanish clubs, like you know, like uh, Asturias, you know, or... Uh, Asturias or something like that. But I know, I know that he played in Mexico, and I remember, you know, I remember reading they were. For him, back in the uh, in late 40s, early 50s, if I recall correctly. Right. No, but he was he was the dominant player at the time. The Hungarian school obviously was very prevalent, as we see, looking at the list of the, all the Hungarian coaches that won titles for Mexico, Mexican clubs in the early late 50s, early 60s. But Arped, Arped, and in the Yugoslavians, like you know, what's the name, Bora, and yeah. It's very, uh, very interesting. And then Hungary, Hungary loses the World Cup final three to two to West Germany. The West Germans come from behind, and sadly, it was the last. It was the last we've heard from Hungary on the world stage. It was that devastating loss in that final, and they just have never been the same since. And I remember, uh, I guess, in the after the 2010 World Cup, Martin wrote an article in Medio Tempo saying that 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 the same fate was happening to Italy. And then, of course, they make the final in the Eurocopa two years later, and I reminded Martina, but I said, remember what you wrote Italy off? He goes, yeah, he says, I regret it. I regret it every day after seeing Italy make the final. Okay. Well, so it seems like you guys, like me, all agree that, that there's more pressure on the Mexicans than on the foreigners in Liga MX. And, that, and that's wrong. It should be the other way. You think there should be more pressure on the foreigners and not the Mexicans? Well, you, you remember, and I know I've mentioned this before, but remember what Hugo Sanchez said on his, upon his arrival to Spain? Uh, was it? Me estoy avergonzado. He said, I'm, I'm here to learn. <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm sure that it was just, he was just saying, you know, just a, a cliched you know, response that, you know, like, you know, he, he'll just, you know, he's just, you know, he's, he's there to, you know, to learn help out the team, you know, those, those type of, like, you know, you know, cliches. Is that and what? Then, uh, and, and you and know and what? That, they, they still use that in, for the national team when they yeah, say yeah. so-and-so player should be called up so he could, you know, learn or get better. Is and, that why Osorio's uh, comment that todos aprenden de todos uh, really rubbed you the wrong way? <laughs> you thought he well, was being, uh, kind of being too humble on board and, and he should be more, uh, you know, more like, hey, you know, I'm here. 
Learn from me. Well, like I said, going back to you know, like Google said, is like you know, hold on, he goes, hold on, hold on. They didn't hire you to come here to learn. They hired you to produce. You know. Now let me ask the, you this. Yeah. And I'll ask the whole panel. Now, obviously, it seems like the clubs. We seem to agree. Put more pressure on the, on on the locals than they do on the foreigners. It seems like it's the other way around in the press. The press seems to want to put more pressure on the foreigners, especially the foreigners that they don't necessarily think deserve the job they have or think they've earned the job they have. They seem to really want to put pressure on them, whether it's uh, warranted or not. Uh, uh, well, here, first of all, here's my take. I don't think that Mexico, should, you know, Mexico should be should be offering coaching gigs, coaching gigs to foreign players that have zero coaching experience, especially if they don't have if they if they don't really have a. Are you saying that they should get a certification from the the from Johan the... Cruyff School of <laughs> Sports Coaching so that they can go ahead and become a coach? No, like, 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 Keep in like, mind, Hugo got his credentials in Honduras, right? So he yeah, had zero but... coaching experience, and he, he got certified in a different country. So Yeah, Nicaragua, I remember that. But come on, we're talking Hugo here, dude. The guy, I mean, how many coaches, you know, legendary coaches, you know, did he co- was he coached, you know, from? I mean, the the whole. I understand why. I understand why they want the coaching certificate. But I mean, are you really? I mean, if if let's say Iniesta, you know, decided to go to coaching, would, would you, you know, would you hire him? I would scrutinize him more. Why on earth would you have to be certified to be a coach? I mean, to me, I mean, I understand. I mean, a coach has to get his first gig somewhere, but be an assistant first. You know, be an assistant for three or four years. Learn how to be a coach. One thing I always appreciated about when I would cover Mac Brown here at UT was that if any of his assistants, whoever it was, if, if they had head coaching aspirations, he would take extra time to show them, okay, or if they asked him, hey, how would you do this? He would always make sure to, to, to show them how he prepares for whatever it is that he's doing as a, as a head coach to give them that experience so that if they ever do get that opportunity, they, they know what they're walking into. You know, so what's so bad about just being an assistant for four years and not getting certified and then getting your chance to be a head coach? Um, Brees is a perfect example of that. He was an assistant. He comes to Mexico and he coaches America, and then he does not so well at the beginning, and it's almost like, okay, one more game and he's gone. But you yeah. never heard that from Almeida. Almeida was there sucking it up the whole time, but he's like, oh, we got to give him some more time, and he won Copa Mex and all this stuff. So there's like... But look at how pretty Almeida's hair is, though. They tried to bring Sampaoli to... I'm sorry, John. They tried to bring Sampaoli to replace Almeida, and he turned him down. Remember that, Jolie? Oh, yeah. I, I do. I was off by two games. I wrote an article that Almeida would be gone by match week five. It was yeah. around. It was around match week seven when the news broke out. Okay, hey, I, I understand why you go for you go for a Cardoso. I understand that. Is there really? Do you, I mean, do you really? I don't. I don't understand. I, I cannot justify someone like Diego Alonso. I cannot justify someone like you know. Believe it or not, even though he he was successful, but you know. I still wouldn't. I still wouldn't have given you know Kashina a chance. Hey, you know what? Uh, one of one of the guys that we talked to on the one of the Twitter channels, uh, Victor, he mentioned that uh, 
they used to post the grades that these that these coaches were getting uh, after after going through the licensing program of uh, in the that the Mexican the FMF offers. <laughs> and I think you know in some countries the licensing process is actually you know it's it's taking serious. Take for example the the UEFA license. Uh, you know their programs are pretty interesting, and they actually they have the guys as part of the license process. They place you, or you have to find a, an assisting gig and and work with the actual team and show that you can uh, that you can run the team. You know. I mean, it seems like the, I mean that to me is a natural progression. I mean, if they want to institution, boy, I'm better. Veracruz is just a tiburón. I mean, the, 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 that, that to me should be the natural progression. I mean, I, you know, I think of a guy like Duca, who became head coach, what was it, 20-something years ago. But he'd been an assistant for three or four or five years before he was head coach. He was an assistant for, for Mejia Baron at Pumas and also on the 94 World Cup team. And then he gets his chance. And, he, and what does he do within the first couple of years, Joel? What does Duca do? He won league title. Four? Who was Cuba. it? Was it what? <laughs> That's right. Basel too was a was a Mejia assistant, wasn't he? He was a Mejia assistant, and he never got to win a championship. Uh, he came close with Pachuca. They lost to uh, Santos in the final with uh, when they had Fede No, he, he did win. He, he did win. Oh, he did win. You're right. You're right. He, yeah, did. he did. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Please. Yeah, please he won. Please. He won before uh, landing in the national team. Man, yeah. he had the ultimate '80s haircut. I mean, I mean, ultimate. He had like the alcachofa. It was fantastic. <laughs> it was great. But, but, but I guess my point is, is that the the domestic coaches in Mexico right now have, you know, have had most of them had success as a player. I mean, Nacho was, you know, he was part of a juggernaut, even though he hasn't won. Tomas Boy, in in my humble opinion, is one of the top five Mexicans to ever play in Liga MX. I don't know if you guys had a chance to see him play. Yeah, he, he, he was, was a boss a with that. Total badass. He yeah. was. There's a reason they call him El Jefe. He was outside. If 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 the market was the way it was now, Tomas Boy would have had a 15 year career in Europe. There's no question. He was that. You guy. know what? You, you know what he was like with you know that sort of temperament. Like Gattuso. Exactly. Yeah, he was like a Gerard Gattuso. Cut from that. Just, just a comp- had just complete command of a team. He was a ter- just a terrific player. So, but he hasn't won one. But, but all the other guys that, that we mentioned earlier, they've all, you know, Memo Vasquez was a decent player. He, you know, he's one had six success as a coach. All the the foreign coaches in Mexico that have won all played in Mexico. So I think what it boils down to is there's going to be pressure either way, whether you're Mexican or foreign. It seems to me personally that the clubs will put more pressure on the Mexican because they can just say, you know what, I could go get a guy from Argentina tomorrow if you don't perform. So that's how I feel. I yeah, probably pay him a cheaper price. Absolutely. That's, now, that's what was going to be my question. Like, uh, As far as players go, um, do the foreigners that typically come – are they earning less than the average Mexican? Yes, they are. They're earning less, but they were making more than what they would have made in their local leagues. Yeah, like watch watch some of the games in the Euro One League. So, watch so then it would games. make sense to put more pressure on the Mexican player. They cost more. 
It's True, also more. But of I mean, but it's it's still our domestic league, though. Yeah, but Ronnie, Mexico. These guys run the, the these guys run the teams like businesses though. for years. Yeah. Been hey, a, was the national team better when we didn't have as many foreign coaches and players? No. So huh? this this importation of ideas, it's it, you know the Re- bottom line. Repeat, is, that, again. repeat national, that again. Repeat that again. Was the national team better uh, in the past when you didn't have as many foreigners, uh, both as players and as uh, within the league as coaches and assistants and so forth, youth coaches? Well, I'm probably the only one that's old enough, and I'm going to say no. It was not better back then. In fact, it was awful. It was embarrassing. Well, how far back are you going? <laughs> I'm going back to the 1930s. No, I'm going back to the early to late 70s. Okay, yeah. But, I mean, you know, Mexico turned the corner, and they turned the corner because of Bora. I mean, there's but, no... Anyone who says differently is going to have to deal with me. And the Pumas Cantera? Not just the Pumas Cantera. That was part of it. But, I mean, back then, America was a juggernaut. Chivas a little bit. And then Tigres was really strong, too. I mean, that 86 team was basically half America, half half Pumas. And it probably should have been more America, but Capitan Furia was taking junior swimming in a forbidden pool. So <laughs> You're still convinced of that, aren't you? You're still convinced. There's no... Look, Johan Cruyff, the greatest player, one of the greatest players in history, had a deal with Puma during the 1974 World Cup. He didn't want to wear Adidas to conflict with his Puma contract. So what does he do? He takes one of the stripes off his shirt, and he's the only guy, if you look at the footage, everyone else has the Adidas three stripes. He's the only guy with two. There are ways around it. Uh, that's true. There so are you, ways so you're around. you're think so you're saying you're saying that Capitan I'm saying Puglia, picante, but, 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 hey, even yeah. even closer for for us youngsters in uh, '94, Campos Campos uh his uh, his multicolor kits I think they were from Nike, but Mexico was uh, Umbro if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, you're right. So you don't you don't see the the logos on his on his kits. Yeah, so, there you uh, go. So you're so you're saying you're saying Juan Terres on the loose. That's what he's saying. So you're saying that Capitan <laughs> Furia was a little too high on the color scale color chart for the you know. I'm saying that, that was, when he was, Capitan Furia went to somebody's house, it was. Hello, BBC. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> He let them know why they call him Furia. That's right. <laughs> you think he metió la pata? Saying <laughs> metió al menos un pie is what I'm saying. <laughs> Speaking of America, I know we touched on it a little earlier, theory. but uh, yeah, nice. Hey, you know, do you really believe it was because he was wearing another another company's shoes? Come on. Anyway, speaking of America, it's another team that's had a really just a sensational year. I know that you know we discussed earlier that Nacho Ambriz, for whatever reason, was on the hot seat because he lost. You know, he's the only. See, that's the other thing. 
I don't know if it's just because it's America or or if it's if it's Nacho Ambaris, but he loses one game and they're talking about how they're in a standing crisis. Well, they haven't lost in a while. They play. They've actually played very well. They're in a comfortable position. They've made the yeah. I think that they're a strong candidate to make a final. They probably have a chance to win two finals here in the next month. Ronnie, however, likes to tell us about the warts. So, without further ado, it's time for Ronnie's rant. No. Ronnie's rant. So, Ronnie, tell us why America is you, not going to win the championship. No, I think they can. I think they can win the championship. And uh, In what sport? I, I mean, like I said, I've, I've told you this many times. I In personally general. like Ambris. I think that he should be given the chance to build his team. You know, and if, that, if he believes that, you know, Arroyo or Quintero should be part of it, okay, fine. I just don't think that the current crop of players, some of them gel well together. I, I think, I think that the the disciplinary issues, I don't think that falls solely on on, on Um Especially considering the kind of player he was. I mean, that just that just never was his style. Well, even even I mean, keep in mind he also was under you know Aguirre, um, and you know I mean he. You know that's a very good point because I don't know if y'all remember when I, I uh, when Vasco had the uh, 2009 World Cup and their very first game against Nicaragua, the game that Carlos Vela got injured in, Noriega, who was having a pretty decent game, got a got a straight red, and he was never called up again ever. In fact, I don't want to say that was la- Mexico's last yeah. red card in an official capacity, if I'm not mistaken. Well, that's the... So, Ronnie, as you were saying? Oh, he got dropped. <laughs> no, we lost seat. Hey, we got so up to win now. He broke his wireless. Yeah, they got it. Sorry about it. Okay, I'm back. I'm back. No. Uh, so, I, I don't think that that's re- really, you know, lies solely on, on Ambris. Um, one of the things that I've, that I've noticed with Ambris was, like, even, like, you know, going back to last season, I mean, it, it doesn't matter if they're playing a man down or two men. I mean, they want to attack. I mean, but they don't attack just, you know, sending, you know, the entire cavalry. They they try to do it with, you know, with, with keeping the lines compact and everything in, in, in advance. Because remember the, the semifinals with Pumas? How, I mean, how Mexico was, I mean, or not Mexico, uh, America was still dominating Pumas even with 10, you know, with 10 guys on the field? I, I think I the think only thing I remember about that I game think, was that they lost three zero to Pumas. <laughs> but obviously you. Know, anyway, I'm sorry. As you were saying. So no, uh, you know I think that uh, I, I think that uh, American does have the team to win the championship, but. I mean, you're going to have to have Mickey Arroyo. You're going to have to have uh, Darwin Quinteros. You're going to have to have... Uh, Sambo. That Argent- no, the Argentine... Uh, what's his name? Uh, Goats. Goats. With, 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 with a clear head. Sambo. Sometimes I see that just... Now, I, I it sounds you know, to Sambo, me... 
that, that you think, Ronnie, that, that America is their own worst enemy. So does the league give a trophy for throwing hissy fits? Because America's got that down. They are the campeonissimo of hissy fits. <laughs> That's going to be their demise. If the I believe team, they can win it, but it's going to happen again if they're the same, like whether it's against Pumas or someone else. They might end up uh, getting redded all over the place and losing a semifinal game or something like that. So you're saying their 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 biggest weakness is what's staring at them in the mirror. They just think they they need to control themselves. Yep. Now, Ronnie, anything does. Anything. Anything. But but more America than anybody but, else, just because of their reputation. Yes, you. Of you know. We, we can count the red cards that, after the season over. See who has most red cards. What team has most red cards? Now, can I ask you a question, Ronnie? If America wins the title, uh-huh. will you get a Nacho Ambriz style haircut? Hell no. <laughs> no. Hey, what if he has one already, though? He know? might. You're right. I didn't no. even think about that. <laughs> that's that's very no. possible. Thank you, Juan. In fact, I think I think you need to send us a picture to verify. Doesn't, Ronnie, doesn't Capitan Furia also have? Doesn't Capitan Furia? Capitan Furia has a hair has a haircut you can like set your watch to. You know, you just you know, you can look at the shadow. <laughs> look at that, it's like a sundial. It's, oh, it's it's eleven forty five. Just just turn this way. Yeah, Nacho has the same style of haircut. There's no question. I will say this about Nacho Ambris. I know Benjamin Gamil uh, Benjamin Galindo was a fantastic free kick taker, probably the best Mexico's ever had. Nacho's right there with him, man. He had a gun. Ooh. That, that was a well, Galindo, you know, people say people say that Galindo was probably the, the, the best player. I say Cuauhtémoc was. I mean, I, my, Cuauhtémoc's ability to play with both, you know, both feet, pack, I think is better than Galindo. Dude, America has six red cards this season. Three more than any other team. The other teams have six total. <laughs> so I think <laughs> yeah. So Ronnie's saying uh, now he's saying Cuauhtémoc's uh, a better player than Galindo for yeah. the national team. Yeah. Oh, there, <laughs> I I would agree with that. Cuauhtémoc oh. is the the best national team player Mexico's ever had, at least in the modern era, the best national team player they've ever had. Yeah. I don't think that there's any question that that's the case. You know, the people always talk, want to talk about Carvajal, but he was a goalie, and every World Cup he played in Mexico couldn't make it out of the first round. So that's where that is. Ronnie, do you have anything else to say about America? Does anybody else have anything to say about America? Who actually thinks America can win? I think America can win. I think In they fact, can win. I think America will win. Albert? I think they can win. I don't know if they will. Let's see, see, who, see who gets carded or see who doesn't get carded. They're going to lose the Jaguares in the first round is what's going to happen in America. No. You know, they probably won't do well as a favorite, seeing how they crack under pressure, so... You know, if everybody considers them the favorites, they're going to be the first one to go down. Are they considered the favorites? Um, um, I guess above Rayados. Well, if they win the cup, if they win Concacaf, if they win the Concacaf 
uh, and they and they at least finish second. I think they'll be considered the favorites because so, you know obviously they win Concacaf. Yeah, I, I would agree with you there. Because but I if mean, they lose Concacaf, then what? Ah. Honestly, I think if they lose Concacaf, I think it would be a little bit. I think I think the press would try to create a crisis. You know, if they lose Concacaf. Are we going to have to hide all the sharp knives and guns from from your house if that happens? <laughs> I don't think Concacaf matters. If they lose, who cares? How's he going to make the walk if you take his knives, dude? It's funny you say that, dude. When America lost to Toluca, uh, what in the semifinals, like the season before, I think it was the first. I think what, I think well, hold on. When Piojo first got in, they got eliminated. They were eliminated by Monterrey and they were eliminated by Toluca. And then the third time around, that's when they beat Cruz Azul. Well, the one I don't remember the first season, the second season, but the one that was with Toluca, I was just livid, dude. I was, I just fuming. To the point where I had a knife because I was eating an apple, <laughs> and I just started stabbing the fucking wall. <laughs> you were like, for the like next to the like this closet. Fuck you, dude. You know? Because <laughs> I, I, I use that wall. I use that wall for po- no. Well, yeah, because I hate losing to Luca, man. But Jeez, I, what, I what, use what, that wall what do you for do post. I use like, that wall for post. Yeah. No, no. For some reason, I hate losing to Toluca, and I hate losing. I hate losing to Toluca, and I hate losing to Cruz Azul. For some reason, I don't mind. I mean, of course, I don't watch it, but you know, I, I can take a, you know, Pumas or Chivas. But those two teams. I hate losing to those two teams. What two teams? What was that? Cruz Azul. Oh, Cruz Azul and Toluca. That's right. And uh, and Toluca. I mean, America's been. Played in more playoffs matches with the with the Cruz Azul than Chivas. He insinuated he enjoys losing the Chivas. No. Who did he say that? I did hear that actually. He said I I like losing the Chivas. I don't mind it. No. All right. Well, gentlemen, I think that that should uh, take us to our not our final topic, but but certainly. One of the next to last things we'll discuss tonight, as, as uh, many of you who follow Mexican soccer, at least here in the USA, maybe have picked up on a story that was uh, written in ESPN.com by our friend Tom Marshall regarding Mexican-American players, that uh, youth players that are, that are playing in Mexican clubs. And uh, when Tom found out that some of the that the league had asked the teams not to sign any more of these players until they get clarification from FIFA. The uh, it brought to light that there are, there are a few, more than a few Mexican American players that that are playing youth players that are playing in Liga MX teams right now. Now there is a rule in in, in FIFA. It's Rule 19 and it's Clause 3. And Rule 19 Clause 3 says that if a player is a national of a country, then they're exempt from this rule. And the rule is that there can't be youth players moving from one country to another, of course, because you know, they don't want to 
exploit these players. And I have a hard time believing the players are exploited when they are being fed, being educated, and being trained. It's not as if a player from Morocco goes to Barcelona's academy at, what's it called, La Masia, is that what they call it? Yeah. And, and starts, you know, making replica shirts 20 hours a day. That's a shop. Yeah, exactly. So, Rule 3 says that if a, if a national of one country can then be part of the youth academy. Well, how do they define national? Because I'm a Mexican national, but I live in the U.S. And in Mexico, if you have a Mexican passport, that makes you a Mexican citizen, and therefore you're eligible to work in Mexico, which to me would make this particular rule would allow all these players that Mexico has, where most of them are, are first-generation uh, kids that are living in this country, would, would, make, would make them exempt from this particular rule. Now, I do understand why Liga MX sides want to get clarification. I think that, they, that that's what the, the core issue is here, is they want to get clarification from FIFA. Because European sides, because of the European Union and the European what is it, satellite countries, I forget what the correct term is, they are exempt from this rule. Well, it seems like if, if there's an exemption there, there should be an exemption in, or, or a way to clarify the rule to where if you're, say, a kid that has French parents that's living in New York and Paris Saint-Germain comes calling, you're going to tell me that that kid can't go train with Paris Saint-Germain. So why is it any different that they can't go train down at Pachuca or Santos or whatever the case may be? So, Juan, I know that you're uh, deeply and heavily involved with, with youth soccer in this country and have even have had to deal with this, uh, well, certainly much more than any of us. Why don't you shed some light on this particular topic for us? Uh, I think, uh, yeah, there is, there is an issue where some players, they're not being able to sign for any Mexican clubs anymore uh, if they, they register as dual nationals. And I think it's just a paperwork issue where, uh, you know, most like like you mentioned, most of us we have family in Mexico. We spend time there, you know, throughout the year. <laughs> and uh, now, as far as the players being exploited, I think they're actually they're being exploited right now because uh, you know you've got these uh, a lot of these kids that play in the you know I brought this up before they play in the land leagues, the the Sunday leagues where the, the coach doesn't know what he's doing, but the kids you could say he's a uh, he's learning from the llano. You know, he's learning from his own his own smarts, and you know, some of these kids they're actually they're very interesting. So what the coaches do here is, since a pay-to-play system, they recruit these kids for one year, maybe two. Uh, they use them to make their team look good. Then once they got the clientele that can pay, they drop these kids. So to me, that's a lot more exploitive because obviously they they offer a scholarship to this player for one year or two, and then they dump them. Well, I guess that's what I don't understand. Is that so? This rule says that they're, they're trying to protect kids from being exploited, but it's perfectly okay then to exploit the local kids. Is that what this rule says? Yeah, I mean, basically, because like if if you're a kid in LA and you get uh, or, or you're actually I'm not you're outside the LA Galaxy's uh, recruiting zone, you can sign for any MLS team or or even end up uh, you could be a 15 year old and end up at uh, what's that place, uh, Bradenton in Florida. The IMG Academy, 
Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, that's more explo- exploitive. To is, I mean, if they consider moving to 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 Chivas, you know, to Pachuca or to one of these other, you know, to Monterrey, one of these teams. So then, let's say, for instance, that you're a kid that's growing up in like what Valencia, California, right? That's kind of north north of LA, which is in the LA Galaxy zone, and their training is down in Carson uh, or somewhere. Is that was that where they train Carson? Exactly, they do. So and, that's what a two-hour ride each way. Yeah, and that's perfectly fine. There's, uh, there's even kids from San Diego driving up to LA to train with LA Galaxy, and that's to me that's ridiculous. It's not worth uh, that drive. Fifty kilometers from a national border, so you can't live fifty kilometers from your club team. So if that's over fifty kilometers from San Diego to LA or whatever, right. And, that would be and one of the examples that was brought up in the article was uh, they're saying, well, well, Ventura Alvarado is a classic case since he started playing in the Liga MX sides when he was a teenager. And I guess uh, somebody pointed out to Mr. Marshall and the folks that wrote it that, that his mother had moved to Mexico and that's when Ventura went down there. So well, again, one of the rules is, that a parent can, you know, the parents can move to the country as long as it has, quote-unquote, nothing to do with the kid going to this club's academy. Which, again, you know, I mean, there's there there's so many ways to circumvent this particular ruling. But but I think that the, the, the key here is if it's legal for a Mexican person, whether national, if he has a Mexican passport, that, in my opinion, should be enough for him to be able to be, quote-unquote, registered at a Liga Mex club as a Mexican. I, I agree, John. I mean, this shouldn't have a one-size-fits-all approach because it, it's, I mean, and FIFA, CONCACAF, they're not naive. They know that the Mexican American, you know, whether it's first generation, second generation, they knew this, and well before you know, before MLS even was created, you know, Mexican the Mexican population, I mean, we still had a connection with you know Liga MX, countless friendlies. Mexico would still would play in the U.S. I mean, that's I mean that's what these kids. And and I and one of the things that you know one of my problems and I and I and I wrote this and, and I you know replied to this. I mean, if if our generation would have had internet, I guarantee you more, more you know had internet and had access to the academies in in Liga Mekis where you can contact them directly, you can ask when their tryouts were. I guarantee you more more Mexican American kids would have would have you know gone you know down south and 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 gone to these tryouts. I mean, you, and, and you did have what's, what's you that? You have a lot in the past, and and uh, and I and, and I, uh, I remember when I, I mentioned to you guys the uh, remember when back in like two thousand two, two thousand three, when uh, Chivas, America, Cruz Azul had those open tryouts in the U.S. in the southern parts, southern south and southwestern parts of the U.S. Like you know, Futuro Aguila. Do you guys remember that? Was that before or after America played 13 games in eight days? <laughs> that, was, that was after. After, but, okay. But but my my point is my point is that America they 
they basically went to like 10 cities in, this, in the United States, had open trials in Houston. At the time when I was living in Houston, I remember I – didn't, I didn't go, but I saw the – I watched the news. Dude, there were hundreds of kids. I mean, and not just Mexicans, dude. There were there were South Americans, there were Central Americans, there were Africans, there were Middle Easterners. Isn't that the reason why Barcelona has academies all over the world to identify talent? Well, yeah. Yeah. So but, what's wrong but, with? I guess is what, that found, is it, what is wrong with that? What is wrong with that? Hey, I want to ask Ronnie if that's how they found the uh, Bijik and uh, Kaluja from those trials. <laughs> I, honestly, I don't remember how they found uh, Biyik and Kalusha. Uh, I, I don't remember how they found them. Benhaker brought them, dude. It was... That no, was it? Ben, no, was it Benhaker? Whoever it was, they were a genius. Those guys were terrific. Yeah. The, I came so close to being a Medi- an uh, America fan back then. <laughs> no, but uh, that's how close I came I, to. The I, I just, I, I think it's. A, I mean, I think it's a non-issue. I don't think it's. You know, it's, it's. Granted, okay, I, you know they want they, they should they, you know they should clarify it. It was back I, in the America C and Q days. I don't I don't see I don't see anything wrong with what 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 you know with you know Ventura Alvarado or you know Gringo Torres or who who whoever. Now there's a case to. of uh, of a player, I believe he was a Argentine who lived in Paraguay. His name was Iturde, I think his name was, who's now playing in Europe. Where he was at a Paraguayan club, and then an Argentine came and swooped him, went to the Argentine club, and the Paraguayan, I think Olympia, complained to FIFA about this. They said, "Hey, wait a second, this is happening. This is a violation of Rule 19," and they found in favor of him. So, based on that, people say, "Well, it has nothing to do with with your passport. It has everything to do with where your parents live," which again, I find completely ridiculous. And another thing, FIFA's law is not based on precedent. It's not based on English common law. So just because it's happened before doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to root or, or, or rule in favor that way. Like, I agree with Ronnie. I think I think that they have that this has to be on a case by case basis. And I think the fact that a lot of a lot of the Mexican American players, because of the fact that they're Mexican nationals, because they can carry a Mexican passport. That to me gives them every right to be able to be registered by a Mexican club. Period. End of story. I don't think there's any any question. Now they're going to have to get clarification. I do agree with Tom, and I do agree with the article in the sense that the that the, that the clubs are going to have to get a clarification, whether it's from FIFA or from TAS. But they do have to get clarification. But again, if if it's okay in the Eurozone, there's no reason why it can't be okay over here. Hey, you got, you got to remember a long time ago in uh in the in the forums, big soccer. There was like this little kid who was just dribbling. They showed videos of him and they put his name and everything at his own thread. Was it the kid going all? He was like maybe six or seven. Oh, the wonder kid, there, Jolie. Uh... Yeah, there's there's been multiple, but there's one of them where they were put. He's like six or seven, and I think this rule is sort of trying to protect like young kids from just going over without their parents just to some place being used as a money making machine. Well, if they want to you know, they want to protect kids, they should just be on the lookout for, you know, for people taking photographs of them. <laughs> no, you got you got some kids going over there. To w- wouldn't you agree, Holy? <laughs> and they're all by themselves. They're like they don't have their parents to, you know, to teach them and they're just like with some foster or whatever. Who else? Who else? 
Hey, you know, so, you guys ever hear the story of uh, when Iniesta, when he ended up in Barcelona, where the first two weeks he he cried his eyes out for, you know, because he missed his family. Well, he was busy making those shirts. I'm sure that that would upset any kid. <laughs> no, but I mean, removing him from his family, like at 12 years old. Yeah, they're young. That's that's a young kid. But look, look at the end product. Some some people are still, uh, you know, uh, what do they call it? Getting milk. So the... why do you guys think people came down on on Barcelona and Atletico is going to come down on Real Madrid? Do you think it's because they're quote unquote actually exploiting these kids, or do you think it's more to do with the fact that? More often than not, they've struck gold. And why is this anything any different than, than Ajax's academy or the one down in Bolivia? Is it just because it's foreign kids? How do all the African kids end up on in, in French clubs? Well, because they're from they're French moves. colonies. I think their family moves, yeah. But uh, you know yeah, what? But not all of them. Didier Drogba grew up in Ivory Coast. You know what, guys? A few years back, there was there was a big problem with um with a lot of like African kids, like in Italy and other leagues, where promoters would take them and they'll take them to tryouts. And if and you know if they wouldn't pan out, the they would just leave them there. So you had a lot of homeless kids in in different European cities that that got taken there with with the promise of um that they were going to you know. Be part of the a youth squad. Well, hey, do you, do you remember uh, last year? Medio Tiempo actually had a. In fact, I, no, I'm sorry. I think it was this year. Uh, there was a report in Medio Tiempo where there's these five Argentine players just uh, basically in Acapulco or Cancun or whatever, uh, stranded, and they didn't have. They don't have. They didn't have. They don't have the money. They didn't have the money to go back to Argentina because they were, were they playing cascaritas for money. <laughs> well, they thought they were. They thought that they basically paid. They got scammed. <laughs> they got scammed, thinking that they were going to play uh, in the second division in Mexico. They paid this promoter. Uh, they flew to Mexico, and then when they got to Mexico, they uh, they they never had a team. <laughs> That's a yes. perfect example. You see, that's a perfect. The kid's not going to know how to argue and how to ask for like. No, I think this. I think this was just a scam in general. But isn't that but, more on the parents than it is on the kid? Honestly, what, what's that? Isn't that more on the parents? Yeah, the parents shouldn't be on the kid. Them out like that. <laughs> but, but what if the parents, you know, you know, aren't very, you know, savvy in terms of you know with contracts and stuff like that? Hey, Ronnie, that contradicts uh, your view, your personal view, still, doesn't it? So you want the state. And the rules to protect the kids? No, fuck, fuck <laughs> that, that, that contradicts his leaving, like parents leaving their kids running around in the the, the grocery store yelling and making a mess and the that, parents not doing anything. The yeah, so that should move to the country. They should move their whole family to the country where the kid's gonna play and take the chance that the kid can play there. What is the minimum age you guys uh, believe should be for a, a player to go to an academy? If the it's gonna vary. It don't matter. If the parents move with the kid, five, <laughs> as young as they want to be, as long as the parents with them and taking care of them, and looking after their best interest. And if the parents aren't there, oh shoot, eighteen. I think they, you know what? They need to get these kids in young to cor to correct their mistakes. Uh, 
at 16, probably between 14 and 16. Uh, is about the ages that in the past they've been able to work with and they've been able to, you know, correct the players, transition them to. But, uh, you know, what Ronnie sounded, it sounded a little too communist for my taste, you know. I'm not comfortable <laughs> with that. You feeling the burn, Ron? Is that what's going on? <laughs> Hell no. No. Man, I'm very disappointed. We uh, we played La Volpe Clips. We mentioned his name. But 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 still no Fernando side. I think you well, scared again, him I, off. Now the other thing that I found very interesting is is that ESPN went all in on this story because you know they're you know doing their ejercicio periodístico to try and make Liga MX look as bad as possible as they always do and just relish doing. And yet no one else has picked up the story. Not one other outlet picked up the story. Well, hey, John, there's there's an article uh, that the ESPN story referenced, which was from Chivas, uh, that Jose Luis Real mentioned that there was like five players within the Chivas uh, youth system that they couldn't register, and they were they were finding alternate ways to just keep them active and <clears throat> ready until they could. Really? So yeah, so I think it is an ongoing issue where Mexican clubs are not going to take dual nationals anymore. Well, like, they're not the, taking I mean, them. And again, and, and I'm fine with that. I mean, they can have a moratorium. What they need to do is they need to get FIFA to, 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 to make this clarification. Because like I said, if a Norwegian kid can go train in, in Holland or France without any problem because of the EU, then a Mexican kid... We have the legal right to do so. Should be able to go to Mexico. You know, it's kind of BS because can't any kids uh, like if you're a Wonder kid, you know, or uh, you can sign for a English Premier League uh, club and get a professional contract. Since over there, uh, they can sign contracts at 16, and that's one way to get around these rules. So it kind of doesn't make sense if at 16 you can sign for an English mm-hmm. club. There are many ways that you can circumvent these. I mean, believe me, it's, uh, you know. But again, I, 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 do, I do think that Liga MX here wants to get the clarification, and I'm totally fine with that. And, 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 I, and I do believe that because of the fact that I think that they have their own law on their side. We know one of the, and because of that, I mean, FIFA should, should rule pretty quickly. I don't think it should be an issue at all. So. I think it's a money issue. One, it could be the FIFA. Like, remember you guys mentioned that FIFA was looking for a scapegoat to turn away attention. Uh, yeah, but you know, I'm starting to think that less and less because uh, this Infantino guy is already starting to. <laughs> you know, it's so funny because you know they acted like like Sunil Gulati made this incredible move to, you know, to broker the deal where Infantino is now going to be the president because he convinced all the guys that voted for the Jordanian prince to vote for him, you know, with a promise that they're going to get the 2026 world, you know, whatever the case may be. FIFA is never going to, it's going to be the same. It's going to be the exact same thing. It's going to be the exact same thing. Nothing's going to change. They're just going to find other ways to do business. They're going to do their business in euros instead of dollars. So they don't have to worry about the FBI. Nothing's going to change. But it does bring me up to my last topic of the night. There was uh, reports coming out of Mexico this week that Mexico is uh, wanting to be a serious candidate for the 2026 World Cup, and they want to put a renovated Estadio Azteca as the, I guess, the centerpiece of their bid. Now, the Estadio Azteca 
may not have the reputation, at least in this country, of the of the of the of the stadium that it is, but around the world it is considered one of the true cathedrals of soccer. There's no question that if you ask anybody from South America, Europe, Asia, Africa, oh, the Estadio Azteca, that place is incredible. Is that going to be enough? Now, they are going to renovate it. I personally believe they need to just build a brand new one, just build a new stadium if they're going to want to get a World Cup. That's how you get the World Cups. You have to build stadiums or promise to build stadiums. So, Hey, hey John, they, they mentioned... Uh, I also read that there was a joint bid between the U.S. and Mexico. So maybe that's one way for FIFA to uh, you know, stop getting their presidents uh, uh, banned and uh, arrested. So you think it would be a joint bid? Yeah, I mean, wouldn't you like to, for example, uh, uh, Cowboy Stadium would be a perfect uh, venue, wouldn't it? Uh, I mean, that place is huge. They modeled it after uh, Estadio Azteca. It is huge. Uh, unfortunately, it has fake grass, so they would have to make yes. extra efforts to make sure that the real stuff grows there. Vergara was able to switch. I mean, you know, Jerry yeah, Jones got more money. Yeah, well, true. So does does Mexico if if it's not a joint bid, does Mexico have a chance here? Because I think they do. They got some. I think they got some nice that uh, Puebla Stadium is nice. The new stadium in Monterrey, Guadalajara. They got some new stadiums cropping up. Maybe just a couple more. And I do think Azteca needs to be renovated. The renovation that I've seen, like the restaurant and the booths and all that, that's been going really slow. I'm, I'm getting sick and tired of seeing that just dirt and stuff. But um, Is Ronnie in charge of that uh, project? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but, uh, no, no. I think needs to, I think other than that, I think it needs renovation on the whole rest of the stadium because they, they could out of it wasn't too bad, but the accommodations and everything is sort of subpar. If they could build a new Wembley, they can build a new Azteca. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I mean, you were there two weeks ago. I, I was surprised the way I, the ease of getting in, walking in, parking, and getting out. It wasn't too bad. But just the accommodations and everything inside the stadium... Is is old. It's very old. It's yeah. it was dedicated in 1960, so that was nine years after Atlas won their one and only championship, and we can only do math based on that. So that would make them that would make the stadium 56 years old. Is that right, Joel? I'm I'm pretty bad at math. Oh. So yeah, it's 56 years old. <laughs> Think about this. They used four or five, four or five stadiums for the 1970 World Cup. It was the Bombonera, León, Jalisco, and Estadio Azteca. I can't remember if they use any more. Those are still in use today, and they oh. haven't. Those haven't really changed. And another thing, I was, Joel was mentioning to me before last week's show that the press. And, and I've seen Naib um, Periscope from the press area in Azteca. And it's basically outside, and you have like a, a wood desk that goes across a bunch of seats as your press area. And Joel was making a comment of a long time ago when he went that uh, 
what was it, Televisa or Azteca was um, announcing like right outside there in some little dinky booth and doing their broadcast and stuff. So I think that might need to be um, addressed. I did. I, totally. I shared a moment with Luis Garcia that day. It was. El doctor. Uh, yeah, man. I, Did you cross the streams in the bathroom, Coet? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> no, um, um, I was like, I, I had a press pass. It was during the, uh, during the 2003 Gold Cup. So I don't know. I don't know if they improved their little booth. So, uh, you know, they don't, they don't, they don't have a, a, you know, they don't, they didn't have like a, a media center, or, or. So, so they, you know, I make my way to my seat, and I'm walking down, and I, and I saw the booth, and I look inside, and he was just standing there, and and like I was just like staring, cause I, I, I didn't recognize him, you know, like I, I recognized him, but then, I kind of didn't, cause I grew up watching him play, and now he was like, just old and balding, and I was like, fatter and balder, and he's like, yeah, he's basically two. What do you have now. against older, fatter, balder men, Joel? No, nothing really. I was just used Ronnie's to Ronnie's gonna get really mad at you. If you... <laughs> I was just used to see him in his prime, you know, running, running rampant, representing the green shirt. I mean, scoring like, goals against Ireland and yes, he, <laughs> reminding the Irish players who's winning. It's two nil, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know what they say: don't meet your heroes. And uh, so it was just, it was just kind of surreal moment. And it was like, I was like, that's not how I wanted to meet him, you know. Did you say hello at least? No, I didn't. I just I did you freeze. I froze, man. Oof. I just I just went and sat down. But but yeah, for for the last game, I think the World Cup qualifier, uh, they were even handing out to the press like they were handing out papers saying there was gonna be no Wi Fi available. Wow. I mean so you even if you go to Honduras you get Wi Fi. What about so tacos? It, it's pretty bad. You know, you know what they gave us for food, and and it was weird because this was my first time in in a press, you know, and uh, they had like some lady come in with this like, it looked like those coolers, Chalupas. those giant, no no those those like coolers that you know like when you go to a picnic, yeah, those, oh, like those a picnic giant basket, a Coleman. those giant plastic ones, and uh, she had tortas, tortas de frijol con jamón. And yeah, those I are keep, good, man. I, I keep, yeah, they were good, but they look like the ones that they sell at uh, at the metro in, when you're in the FA. This was at the Azteca or in Honduras? This, this was at the Aztec Stadium for the for the Gold Cup. It was a street vendor that came in. They hired her to come it, in. It looked like a street dude. It, 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 looked, it wasn't professional at all. It was just... Was she <laughs> ringing a bell? <laughs> tortas! Tortas! Pasale, pasale. No, it just... <laughs> it just felt like whoever got paid, whoever was in charge of that, pocketed like half of the half of the money, and then just how how know. dare you, sir? How dare you accuse? <laughs> hey, Ronnie, any comment on that? I don't think Ronnie's ever been to Azteca. Yes, no, no, no. just seen Azteca from TV. No, remember I was there for the uh, 2000. Uh, uh, the the final uh, the international uh, canicas uh, tournament. <laughs> Pogs. He was at the Pog tournament. 
I've been at the uh, at the Azteca, but it was for an NFL game back in 1997. Was the last was the one and only time I've been there. And even then, we uh, I was with NFL Films, and we were trying to get to the stands. And we went down a hallway thinking we we're going to get to the stands. We ran into a mountain of ice. I'm not sure what it was, but it was just this mountain of ice. For the bullies. I guess. I'm not sure. Yeah, I guess so. But uh, so th my, my point is, is that over the past, I guess since the Japan-Korea World Cup, they have built, what, 40 or 50 stadiums for the World Cup. That's why I think Mexico has a shot because if Mexico says, "Yeah, we're gonna have the world. We need to build four or five new stadiums," then FIFA and their construction partners and everyone else would go, "Oh, we gotta build stadiums. Absolutely, let's do this." You know Where, what? Good, John. You brought up a good point. Are they using the same firms that uh, that have been used to build the other stadiums? What do you think? <laughs> Even if they don't, they could just start up a new one. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's where the real money is. And not only that, but I think you know one of the issues that they didn't have in 1994 with the U.S. that they're going to run into a whole lot more at this World Cup. And this was a discussion that we had uh, years ago on Big Soccer about this: is how is FIFA going to deal with if they want to play at Jerry's place if they have the World Cup in the U.S. But Jerry's place is called AT&T Stadium, and AT&T is not one of FIFA's broadcast partners. So who's going to pay Jerry or who's going to pay AT&T to take that gigantic AT&T logo off the roof and have it called Dallas World Cup Stadium? And it's not just a, I mean, every stadium in the U.S. now has naming rights. I mean, every single one, and not all. I mean, Most of them are not FIFA partners. I always thought, and I thought back then, oh, FIFA would just write a check, no big deal. Well, little do I know that FIFA doesn't like writing checks. At least I didn't know that back then. We know that now. They like getting checks. They don't like writing checks. So that could be a big issue as well. That explains uh, why Omni Life took their name off uh, Chiva Stadium. It's no longer the Omni Life? No. What Omni is it now? Called... Zombie Life. It's, Zombie life? <laughs> it's <laughs> called Estadio Chivas or something like that. I, I think that's just Targara being broke and he needs to sell the he needs to sell the name, the stadium name to get some money. So it could be Estadio Chocomilk here. Yeah, because because why wouldn't he want his company's name there? Yeah. That's that's the biggest advertisement he could get. And if you think about if you think about Only Life, that's that's the most times he's gonna get mentioned during Liga MX, and that's huge coverage. So so if he's taking it off, and and he's obviously looking for another sponsor. Well, how is it that he's broke, and now he wants to buy a team in Italy? Well, so I don't apparently think, he's not I that think you need money. Hey, but, Julie already told me he's not good at math, John. Sorry about that. Phone died. <laughs> you don't you don't need money to to buy players to buy teams. You just need credit. Hey, um, Holy. Yes. I yes, was. Sir. I've been to Azteca. 
I was there. I, remember, for yeah, the... I, re- I remember when you you got accredited for the for I think it was the league final. Yeah, for the league final. Yeah. Now, Ronnie, I, uh, we, we were told that the Omni Life is no longer the Omni Life, and 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 it could possibly be the the El Estadio Chocomil. How do you feel about that? I think it's very fitting. <laughs> oh snap! No, I do. I mean, after getting pounded for long for so long. <laughs> is that where you're gonna find the the third gunman? Hello, BBC. Hello, BBC. <laughs> hey, Chivas might be doing that, but they haven't been pounded, man. That's, you know, speaking of milk... They haven't had no, no Cholos-type rapage. <laughs> speaking of milk, have you guys noticed that Leche Lala is now selling products here in the U.S.? At least they are in Texas. I can't speak up there I for Philly Tepec, but... I think I've seen oh. yogurts. Yeah, I was surprised. I'm waiting for uh, leche needle. You're waiting for leche? Oh. Le- leche needle. The powder and stuff. <laughs> yes, I never had that. <laughs> so, Ronnie, you and I years ago had a discussion about uh, <laughs> about stadium naming rights and how that that would potentially be a stumbling block for a U.S. bit, potential U.S. bit for the World Cup. And back then, I was naive. I didn't know. That that is exactly how Mexico was able to beat the United States for the for the for uh, the the '86 World Cup. Yeah, but they, but stadium naming rights weren't a big deal back then. They're a uh, huge yes, they, deal. No, no, they were. They were. They were. They were. In fact, even even oh, a were. young. Uh, yes, it was. Even a Joseph the Blatter. First, the first stadium that was named with the advertiser was Three Com with Candlestick in California. No, that was no, in 1994. No. Yeah, they changed the names for the stadiums in '94. The sponsorship that were still on the stadiums back then, like whether you had Coke in there, the the the, the actual advertising, not, not oh, the stadium, inside but, the stadium. Yes, that that is that is how and why. And in fact, and this is coming from Joseph Blatter himself. He said that you know I I don't want to run the risk of being at Joe Robbie Stadium. And wondering if our advertisers, advertisers were going to be, you know, on there. But but you know what I think was a bigger thing was the television, because Televisa, you know, was basically behind the whole bringing the World Cup, and and that's that's around the time when it was being more televised. Yeah, yeah, but now the fact that stadium right, the the name of the stadium is. Much more of a bigger deal, in, in my opinion, than the actual advertisements inside the stadium and the, and the advertisements inside the stadium. And you know, I used to think back then, this was ten years ago, that that old FIFA would just write a check for you know to AT and T to get the big AT and T logo off Jerry's place. But we know now that FIFA doesn't like writing checks; that they like. <laughs> well, they did. They did get the name off for the 2006 World Cup. The Alliance Arena. Yeah, all stadiums, all stadiums were known. The World Cup Stadium, right? Munich, Munich World Cup, or yeah. or the World Cup, whatever. If it, it, it but like the Arena Alf Schalke, that didn't change. As if it had a sponsor's name, if it, that if wasn't it had a, a corporate partner, then yeah, the had the name had to go. Yeah, like UEFA uh, does the same thing for the Champions League. Arsenal, the Emirates is not the Emirates during Champions League. It becomes Arsenal Stadium. Uh-huh. Jerry's not going to pass up the opportunity to have a 
a World Cup game in his stadium. Well, that's see, but that's the problem. Is is that who who's going to write the check to AT and T? AT and T spent three hundred million dollars for however many years to have their name on that stadium for all events. Someone's going to. Do you think Jerry's going to write him a check? Yeah, people's gonna write him a check. Raise the ticket prices or something. Well, hey, 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 but hey, John, <laughs> John, you're, sponsor, you're, right? John, you're forgetting one thing. You're, you're forgetting one thing. When you're presenting a World Cup bid, there's a, uh, there's a, um, there's a bid. There's basically a bid package, okay? Right. El, el, el cuaderno, you know, and and the thing about it is. Like for example, back in '86, and it's still the same. It's almost, almost like it's almost like the same bid packet that that they used back then. Where, like, you know, back then the Mexican president of the Mexican president gave gave assurances that anything that FIFA wanted, people was going to get. Right. So you know, like in this past World Cup, in this past uh, FIFA elections, when Bill Clinton was presenting the the uh, the you know the you know the uh, the project team to host the World Cup. You know, before before you even present go to FIFA, you have to have those assurances already in in place with documentation, and you have to have those assurances from all your host cities that you're not going to have those problems anymore. So so before you know, like before the United States or Mexico or Canada or whom or whomever wants to you know to uh, to uh, to present their case to host the World Cup, they have to have those assurances in place or else. They're not gonna. They're not gonna present it because there's there's set dates that you have to abide. Okay, by X date, you have to have, you know, uh, commitment from the local governments by X yeah, date. I, believe you, I understand that, I, 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 and that's why I think that because of that, I think that Mexico has a much more realistic chance than people may want to give them credit for. Yeah, well, they I, will I, make those assurances. Yeah, well, I, I, I don't know if the U.S. can. No, honestly. Well, Obviously, they did. I mean, they presented. I honestly think, you know, I yeah, but it was different then, Ronnie, because back then there was the Rose Bowl, Stanford Stadium, Soldier Field, uh, the Pontiac Silverdome, the Cotton Bowl, RFK Stadium, Giant Stadium, the Citrus Bowl. But but missing? hey, there was there was if I recall correctly, there were over fifty or sixty stadiums, potential host cities that Bill Clinton put in his package. The one, that one they presented it, you know, to, to FIFA Congress, to the FIFA. So already they already had all the assurances from from all those host cities, meaning in and uh, all the documents in, in, already in order that you know you know whether whether That's they were playing in Phoenix. So those are, I mean, they already had everything, all the assurances. You know what? You can play it here, no problem. This is your house, you know, when you're here. So uh, what was it that Bill Clinton presented? Um. Well, like for, <laughs> <laughs> now, remember when they were uh, they were doing the elections for the 2018-2022 World Cup? Right, and, and Clinton came out and said, "Our World Cup's going to be so great. The rest of the, the rest of the country, the world, you guys don't even have to come because we already have fans." You know, and well, I mean, that that's what he said. And then Morgan Freeman came out and missed the page. He's like. Please come to our country. And then he grabbed two pages and, and just completely missed the page. It was calm. <laughs> I'm being dead serious. No, and but then, it was, and then Qatar came out and said, "Look at all these gorgeous stadiums. We're going to build you." 
and they did it in six different languages. And, and they said that after, and they said after the stadium, after the World Cup, these erector set type stadiums will be sent to uh, four countries where so they can you know use the same you know steel and and uh, and stands, and they can you know build you know build uh, stadiums in these poor countries. So, but anyhow, uh, like Australia, you know, they all have to give presentations. But you know, in those presentations, when to even get to that point. You have to turn in FIFA, you know, the organization committee, the LOC. They have to turn in uh, a package with all the assurances, you know, all the required paperwork, that, all the documents. Nothing is going to get in your way. Exactly. We're going to take care of everything. Yeah, exactly. Right. Well, it's going to be and, interesting. And, and when you mm-hmm. have, and when you actually have a, a ex-president, you know, doing your bidding, you know that they're serious. Well, we got beat up by Bora. Once again, proving that Bora is one of the greatest. <laughs> Excuse me. All right. Well, you know what, boys? I think that that, uh, that, that might wrap it up here for tonight. Another fantastic episode of the Los Acero podcast. Touched a lot of very interesting topics. I know that for, for some people, this was a, a better week than others. I'm not hey. sure why that. Was. Well, this has been another Los Acero podcast. I see we've already lost Daniel. I'm sure he wants to say goodbye. Uh, Joel, thank you for joining us. Thank you, John. It is a pleasure being in the show. It, it was a pleasure for me, Joel. Just one last time. I'm Joel. <laughs> <laughs> a little muted, but there it is. Chikis, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks. It was fun. A lot of fun. Juan Uribe, thank you for shedding light on your experiences with with, uh, the youth league and the youth system. Hey, John. Thank you you for having me. It was was a fun show. And definitely it was interesting to hear that uh, Bill Clinton was able to deliver his package unsuccessfully. They didn't accept it, but, you know, you win some, you lose some, right? It happens to the best of us. Very quickly, Juan Tapatio, who wins? Chivas. Wow. So you think another another three goals for Chivas. Wait, you, you got a close look at them uh, against Pumas. What did you, what do you think? I thought they played great. Yeah. I think that they're they're on the upswing. They're, they're they're doing they're doing better. But my Pumas are in the next round for the Libertadores, so we're happy with that. Ronnie, thank you for joining us up there from <laughs> Thank you. Thank you guys. Thank you, John. Hey Beto, can you play the uh the Simia Kisasiente one more time? <laughs> <sighs> Please. God, I just want to say that. Is that good? Did that do for you? Nah. Yeah, I, I like John's version better. Can you can you somehow like like mix it, Photoshop it, or not even Photoshop it, but uh, doctor that so. It says Chivas, que se siente, dime que se siente, you know. God, I've been, I hope Chivas gets relegated. Oh, by the way, speaking of the, speaking of the relegation song, what needs to happen? <laughs> if, if Dorados loses, they're done. So they, they have to win their last. Yeah, they're down. Yeah, right? If they get one point, if they drop one point in the next. Yeah, uh, yeah. if they tie, they, they have to win the rest of the way, and everybody has to lose. 
So, so, oh shit. So there's still hope. There's still hope for you, Ronnie. There's still hope. <laughs> there's still hope. Small glimmer. Yeah. So when that happens for Ronnie. Alright. Oh, good lord, hit the wrong button. Alright. Hey, everybody's so, gonna get laid. <laughs> that's right. This has been the Dos Acero Podcast, a Yamerito production. You can hear on soccerchronicle.com. Thank you for joining us live on the YouTube. I want to give a shout out to our buddy David Loretta who was joining with us joining us again. Thank you, David, for tuning in. And of course you can listen to this on iTunes during the week. Join us again next week. It'll be my last broadcast before I get to go to Hawaii, which I won't <clears throat> talk about next week, I promise. So Hey John. Thank you. One yes, sir. One more shout out for uh uh, last week was in Ninju, and uh, oh, that's right, Ninju joined us, and we we didn't look at the YouTube because it's so busy and crowded over there that I don't you know I don't want to give a shout out to one person and not give a shout out to everybody else. But no, but we'll sure. give a shout out to Ninju and D Grade and all the people that that listen and enjoy the show. Thank you guys for listening. We'll talk to you guys later. We'll talk to you guys next week, same time here on the Dos Acero Podcast. Thank you.